At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Morning. My name is Kurt McDonald. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and it is my great privilege uh, to bring to you uh, God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word this morning. Well, when I got the phone call, I was devastated. Uh, I received news that uh, a friend, a colleague of mine, uh, had disqualified himself from the ministry. I met him through our church planting network that we're a part of, and uh, we began a friendship, and we began talking on the phone, sharing ideas about church planting and encouraging one another and praying uh, for one another. I I even got on a plane and flew to his home state and uh, and spent uh, two days with he uh, and his wife, and and they had uh, a church gathering, and and there were about 45 adults jammed in this living room, and as as he ministered to them, he he led them in Bible study, and he prayed over them. He led them in communion. They they shared a meal together, and they they sang hymns uh, to our risen Savior, and he even even prayed over me and, and prayed over Gospel Community Church. And a few months went by, and at our next pastor's gathering, we were all gathered there, and he was absent. And it was a painful reminder of what had happened. You see, due to the stress of life and and ministry, he had begun to secretly visit um, an exotic dance club. Most PG way I can say it. He he then uh, began a relationship with one of the women there and left his wife and quit the ministry, and renounced his faith openly, publicly. It was devastating, absolutely devastating. This this church family, this church body that had begun to grow and gather was, I mean, they were utterly broken. And so other local pastors actually came in to try to minister to this church body as they were just reeling from what had happened to their pastor. And you want to know that the question that they had, here was the question they had. Was our pastor saved? I mean, was, was our pastor, he, he, he looked the part, he, he even talked the part, he, he preached the gospel to us, he even acted the part, I mean, as far as we knew before the affair. And was our pastor really saved? Were, were the promises of salvation true for him because he's totally walked away from the faith, he's totally renounced the faith? Was, was he really saved? And if we're not sure if he was saved, how do I know that I'm really saved? Because we were really sure that he was, and I, I think I'm kind of sure that I am, but now I don't even know. And I wonder if that question plagues you this morning. Do I know? How, how can I be sure? So for, for people who are more optimistic, people who are generally happy-go-lucky, they, they find it easy to say, of course I'm saved. You know, yeah, God loves me. It's great. And, and then maybe the more pessimistic person or maybe the person more, more given to depression would say, well, no, I mean, how could God ever love me? I'm, you know, I'm a worm. Well, the problem with both of those is the person who's overly optimistic about it might have false assurance. 
And the person who's overly pessimistic or uh, tends towards depression might actually be saved yet feels totally depressed because they don't think that they are. Both, both are problematic. And so in our, in our text today, there is this call to us to, to make our calling and election sure, to, to be certain, to be sure of it. And so here's, here's the whole big idea. If you're, if you're taking notes, I'm going to go ahead and give you the whole sermon. Here it is. Assurance of salvation and all the blessings that come with it is possible provided we continue to strive to attain it. Listen, church family, I want your heart to sing this morning, I belong to him. I want that to be your heart song this morning. I belong to him. And I want for you all of the blessings that come with a heart that sings, I belong to him. There are a mountain, a mountain of blessings that come from knowing that God is your father, that he has you, that he's in control, that he loves you, that he's going to work all things together for the, your good. There is so many blessings that come from having a rock solid assurance that you belong to God. And I want that for you this morning. And it can happen. You can have a sure, a sure answer in your heart knowing that you belong to Jesus and all the blessings that come with it provided, provided you continue to strive. This is not a, um, well, I, I worked really hard, I thought about it, I examined my life, I figured out I do belong to Jesus and I don't ever have to do that again. No, no, no. This is a continual striving. Now, listen, theologically at Gospel Community Church, we believe that if you are truly saved, you stay saved. Right? There's, there's, there's no, it, it's not a question of can a Christian lose their salvation. The, the actual question is can God lose one of his children? The answer to that is no. But what the text is calling us to do is to continue to strive, continue to push, continue to work to make our calling and election sure, firm in our hearts, firm in our minds, sure, 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 100% sure that we belong to God and this is a continual process. Now, that's the sermon. Let's see if I can prove it to you from the text, okay? Let's go to our Bible, 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We're still in chapter 1, traveling through this great book, and as is our uh, custom, we have been taking a 30,000 aerial, you know, 30,000 foot aerial view of the text, and then we've kind of landed the plane and really worked through it. So let's take a look at our flyover today, and here's what we're going to do. A little different, a little different. I want to see if you guys can do it. You think you, you guys are smart. You guys are smart. You guys are like grade A theologians. I believe that about you. So what we've been doing is we've been sentence diagramming these. And I want to see if you can see it. Okay, so go ahead. Let's read it together. I'm going I'm to show you mine. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, the, the next slide will be the, the one I did. Okay. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For it is in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, now I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some keys here. Look at the word be, okay? And then there are two words um, that, that's repeated, for and for. Okay, so, so this first one, be, he's telling you to do something, so that's a command. Very good. Be, so the, right off the, the top... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. Now, for, where is it again? Where is it again? 
Four is in this way. So four, if you practice these things, you will never fall. Four in this way that will be richly provided. So what you have, what you have is a command and then two benefits. Go ahead and, and show. Did you guys figure it out before I got there? I think you did. You're smart. Okay, here we go. Command, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Well, how do we, how, how are we diligent in doing this? How can we, how can we confirm our calling and election? As a matter of fact, what is calling and what is election? Well, we'll talk about that. Two benefits. The first benefit is for you will never fall. Fall from what? Is that to say that a Christian can lose their salvation, even though we just said that they can't? What does that mean? Well, we'll have to talk about that. Second benefit of obeying this command is for, in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. I mean, I'm talking uh, the angel band is playing, there's confetti, right? I mean, it is a, a massive procession when you enter into the kingdom. People are cheering and excited when you obey this command, right? So command there, benefit one, you will never fall. Benefit two, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the kingdom. Make sense? Okay, let's get into the text this morning. Now that we have a big idea of, of what's going on, look at verse 10. Therefore, brothers, every time you see a therefore in the text, you ask, what is the therefore? Therefore, what's it doing there? Well, it's, it's tying together verses 3 through 9. He's, he, like a long-winded preacher, he's finally, and now that we're all the way into the chapter, he's finally trying to land the plane here and, and give you uh, this, this big idea, this solid thing. So, so what he's saying is, verses 3 through 9, since we have everything we need for life and godliness, since we have the knowledge of God, since we have the promises of God, since we have the divine nature, since we have escaped corruption, since we are supplementing our faith with all those virtues listed there, like knowledge and self-control and godliness and so on and so forth, since all of that, because because of all of that, and then he drives right into be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Now, a, a little bit of context. Remember why he's writing this letter. Why is he writing this letter? Well, what's happened is false teachers have come into the church. Um, there's false doctrine floating around. And, and it's this doctrine that says um, theology and morality are two separate things. You know, you, you, you can believe in God, you can believe in, in Jesus, um, but it does not affect your day-to-day -day life, meaning you can live however you want to live, is, is what he is saying. That, that, that's, that's what the false teachers were saying in that day. And so he's writing this letter to correct this, and he's pushing them to strive to, to, to grasp after, to be driven towards knowing that they have been called and that they are elect. If you're taking notes, theology, theological depth must always directly relate to holy living. Theological depth, meaning, um, have you ever heard somebody say that about somebody? Oh, man, that guy, that guy is deep. You know, like talk, talking about their, their knowledge of God or how they talk about, oh, that guy, he, I mean, that, that pastor, he is deep. Well, theological depth must always relate to how you live. There, there is a call here that, that he's pushing us to strive towards godliness, to strive towards holiness, to keep reaching out to grasp it. Now, this phrase, 
it's, I mean, it is jam-packed with theological awesomeness, okay? Be all the more diligent, diligent to confirm your calling and election. I mean, there's, there is so much there uh, that, that we will barely scratch the surface of it this morning. Let's just, let's just take our time and look at each piece. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent, diligent or painstaking. Be, um, be intent to, be driven towards, um, be, be unwavering towards this thing. Okay, towards what? Well, confirming. He wants you to confirm, to be driven, highly intent on confirming or proving that this thing is true is what he means by confirm. Proving that what is true? Your calling and election. Your calling and your election. Peter is saying, be intent on establishing the truthfulness of your calling or election, your salvation. Now, that's two huge, massive theological terms, calling and election, which we must we must define. Okay, we're, we're gonna we're gonna define these two big ideas. Okay, here we go. If you're taking notes, effective calling—that's what he's referring to here. Effective calling, not general calling, but effective calling. Effective calling is an act of God speaking through human proclamation of the gospel, in which He summons people to Himself in such a way that they respond in saving faith. Thank you, Dr. Gruda. Right. That's, that's right out of your systematic theology book. That, that is um, the, the call of God that comes to the person in such a way that they necessarily respond. It, uh, it's the call of Jesus when he stands in front of the tomb of his friend and says, Lazarus, come forth. That, that was a, a powerful call, a proclamation. And it's not as if Lazarus rolled over and said, ah, I'd rather not. No, he, he necessarily responded. He got up and came out. It's the same call as uh, when they come to Jesus and they tell him that the, the man named Jairus, his daughter has died and Jesus walks into the room and there is her still lifeless form laying on the floor and Jesus says, daughter, get up. And she does. It's that type of calling that comes to us, as Ephesians 2 says, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, yet Jesus sends out this call which says, get up, and we do. We come to spiritual life. That calling. Strive to make sure that you got called on that call. Then he says, an election. Okay? Be diligent to confirm your calling and election. Election then being, if you're taking notes, election is an act of God before creation in which he chooses to save some people, not on account of any foreseen merit, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. Meaning this, um, God did not look down the corridor of time and see that at some distant point in the future, we would choose him, and therefore he chose us. No, no, no. The Bible clearly says, before you loved me, I loved you. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I chose you, you did not choose me. He says that so clearly to the disciples. And again, in their minds, they're thinking, wait a second, Jesus, you were there, you know, on the shore, we were, you know, doing the fishing deal, and you said, you know, leave all that stuff and come follow me, and we chose to follow you. Right? I'm sure the disciples must have been thinking that. But the, but the theological reality would have been that the only way that they could have been able to drop their nets and follow him is if he first chose them. 
<clears throat> so what this is, is driving us to is us to realize that we have been called and elected by God. Christians have been called and elected by God. At Gospel Community Church, we believe that God saves. Amen? God saves. Period, paragraph. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. God is the one who saves. God is sovereign over everything, everywhere. Listen, including our salvation. That, that's, that's, what, that's so funny when, when, when people kind of get weird on, on, on this theological idea. It's like, do you believe God's sovereign? Yes. Do you believe God's in control of everything? Absolutely. And, uh, and but I chose to follow him. The only thing that God is not sovereign over is your choosing him. Come on, man. God's sovereign over everything, everywhere, meaning if we choose to follow him, he has first chosen us. We believe in God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Those things are unashamedly clear in the Bible. God is totally sovereign and humans are absolutely responsible. Pastor Kirk, how do those two things work together? I have no idea. The Bible does not explain that to us. It simply holds both of them out. God is totally sovereign over everything everywhere and humans are responsible for what they do. Ask the big man when you get there. He'll tell you. Okay. Now, here's what we need to do. We need to figure out um, exactly how, how this salvation thing works. He's, he's telling us, he's pushing us to confirm that we are saved. So how are we saved? So back by popular man, you guys were so excited about the chart that we did last week. We're doing another chart. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Now, what we're going to see here. Um, is the order of salvation, the order of salvation. Here it goes. Here is how um, a person goes from being a wretched sinner to being a loved saint of God. Election, the first thing that happens. Again, it's not us choosing God. It is first God choosing us. Election, God's choice of people to be saved. Th what happens after that? Well, the effectual call goes out. So these are the two things that are in our verses this morning. Election and call. Election. God's sovereign choice of people to be saved. Two, effectual call. Proclaiming the gospel. You're, you're sitting at a coffee shop and your friend tells you that, that you can be saved by believing that Jesus' death on the cross was for you. Or you go to the, 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 the church that, that you grew up in and the pastor gets on stage and he, he clearly tells you the gospel and all of a sudden, boom, you, you have just heard the effectual call. It's the proclamation of the gospel. Three, regeneration, being born again. That's when you go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Yes. That's, that's regeneration. That happens then. After you, you become spiritually alive, you realize what a wretched state you are in. And so you believe on Jesus. That's faith. You believe on his work on the cross. And you repent. Lord, I'm, I'm a terrible sinner. Would you please forgive me? Would the blood that you shed on the cross, would that be for me, Lord? You repent. After you have repented, then justification. That is right legal standing before God. That is a declaration of God that you are forgiven of sin and all of the righteousness that belongs to Christ is now accredited to you. After that, you are adopted into the family of God. Then you and God work together in this process called sanctification. After that, you persevere, meaning you remain a Christian all the way till you die. And very lastly, glorification, where you receive your resurrection body to live forever with God in heaven forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is the process, the order of salvation. Now, what we're going to be dealing with today, like I said, is election, effective call, and, and seven and eight. Okay, Sanctification, 
and perseverance. So, so we had to see all that so we can get to where we're going. Is that good? Everybody got that? Okay, so let's ask the question then now. Look back at the verse. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. How do we do that? Okay, we, we know that... Um, we, we know that calling is this call from God. We know that election is this choice of God that happened. Um, and he's telling us to drive towards or strive towards knowing that we're saved. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. How do we do that? Well, he has already told us how to do that in verse 8. Look back at it. Look back at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, what qualities? Well, the qualities in that big list that, that he just gave us. What, so how do we do that? We do that through the process of sanctification, which leads to perseverance. That's how, we, that's how we strive. That's how we strive. That's how we keep going. How we confirm our calling is sanctification that leads to perseverance. That's how we confirm our calling. Sanctification, which leads to, to perseverance. So we are elected. We are called. Um, all that other stuff happens, justification, adoption. Then we get into this process of growing with God, becoming more and more godly, loving Jesus, serving him, chasing after him, serving other people in the, in the local church body. And we do that all the way till we die. That's perseverance. And then we're glorified. That's the, that's the direction that God has sent us on. If you're taking notes, here's what all of this means. Continual growth in godliness till the end of your life proves you have been called and are therefore elect. Got it? So, um, so th this is why we unashamedly preach the gospel here. Now, again, we believe in God's sovereignty over salvation. And somebody might say, well, if God saves people, why even bother sharing the gospel? Well, because elect people don't have t-shirts on that say elect. We don't know who the elect are, so we unashamedly preach the gospel. And if they respond to the gospel, if they start growing with the Lord, and they stay faithful to the Lord all the way to the end, they're elect. And the same goes for you, if you stay with the Lord. So how do I know I'm saved? Well, because I'm walking with Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, do you love Jesus? Only Christians love Jesus. <laughs> Only Christians are able to love Jesus. Um, are you excited about Jesus? Does gathering with the church body excite you? Okay, well, uh, non-Christians are not excited about going to church. They think it's pretty boring here. They think I'm insane. They don't want to hear me yell for an hour. Um, so, so do you love Jesus? Are you excited about his people, excited about his church? Are, are, you, are you terrified at your own sin? Do you, do you want to get sin out of your life so that you can be more godly? That's only a desire a Christian has. So there are people who were once members here at the church, and they are no longer here. Some of you, some of you know them. Why aren't they here? Why have they walked away from the church and the Lord? Well, because they were not diligent to confirm their calling and election. That's why. And if those people remain gone until the day of their death, then it shows that they're not elect. Here's another way to say it. I confirm my calling by insisting to practice spiritual disciplines from a heart of love till my dying breath. That's how you confirm your calling. 
That's how you confirm your faith. I'm going to insist on practicing spiritual disciplines, not just going to church to go to church, not just reading your Bible to read your Bible, not just spending time in prayer to spend time in prayer, but from a heart of love. I'm going to insist. And when when I feel that my heart is not loving being connected with the church body, when I feel that my heart is not loving going to the Word, when I feel that my heart is not just super pumped up about spending time with God in prayer, I ask God to change my heart. And to fill my heart with love so that I would want to go to the word. It's, it's a way of thinking and a way of living. Here's how you confirm your call. It's a way of thinking, a way of living that says, I'm going to insist on practicing spiritual disciplines from a heart of love until my dying breath. That's how you confirm. That's how you confirm your calling and your election. Now, let's look at the benefits. All that just on that one phrase, because that's, he's saying, therefore, Boom. He, he put the capstone on it. So now there these, these benefits first. <clears throat> Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election for, benefit one, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You'll never fall. Somebody say thank you, Jesus, for the word practice there. Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't say perfect. Does it? We are so, so happy <laughs> that this, this does not say, um, uh, for if you perfect these qualities, you will never fall. This says, uh, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, again, the qualities that are listed there uh, in 5 through 7, if you practice these qualities, um, you, will, you will never fall. So if we keep growing spiritually, you won't keep falling into sin, and then you won't ultimately fall away. Is that to say that a Christian can lose their salvation? No. Again, we've already stated that. A Christian cannot lose their salvation because God will not lose one of his children. So what happens is if these people fall away and never return, again, it shows that they were never truly saved, is what this text is saying. This is why 1 John 2.19 says they went out from us because they were not of us. Now, verse 11. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a way that you can read this text and get it wrong. If you read it this way... For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into heaven. For in this way, referring to you working. If, if you read this text in such a way that says, if you work really hard, you get into heaven. You can read it that way. And if you read it that way, you'd be wrong. Because <laughs> that's not what Peter is getting at at all. Rather, his emphasis on um, this striving to confirm your calling and election, this striving, this pushing what it's going to do is it provides for you this entrance into heaven, which is a giant, massive party where it's amazing. That, that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's driving at. What he is referring to is the way in which we enter into heaven. Peter here is encouraging us to enter into heaven like a triumphant warrior returning with the multitudes cheering, with, with the sword of the enemy in his hand as he enters into the city and people are cheering and singing and dancing and the, the warrior goes to the king and hands the sword of the enemy to the king and kneels. 
That, that's the type of entrance into heaven which Peter is, is looking at, like an athlete who is returning to their own home country from the Olympics with a gold medal, bringing honor to everyone because they have run the race, because they have won and strive. That is what he is calling us. That's how we want to enter, not as someone who just barely makes it into heaven, not, not just to be productive in the faith, but to be as productive as possible so there is this, this giant celebration that you made it with honor because there's there's a way there's a way that some people make it into heaven meaning they they just barely make it in what do i mean well well the the apostle paul the apostle paul says it this way in first corinthians 3 12 through 15 he says this now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold silver precious stones wood hay straw each one's work will be become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. He's talking about the fire of judgment there. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. Meaning some people make it just by the skin of their teeth. And what Peter is calling us to do is not just um, the, the ship is sailing in and, and you know, the, the mast is broke off, half the ship's on fire, the sailors are, you know, arguing with each other, there's a hole in the side where a cannonball came in. No, he, he wants full sail, full speed ahead, uh, sailing triumphantly into heaven is what he is calling us to is what he is calling us to do. Don't be like the one who just enters into heaven just barely. He is encouraging you to be like the one who has a triumphant entry because they have worked hard at their progressive sanctification, they have persevered, and therefore they are glorified. Okay? That's the text. Now, here is the clear, very clear application from this text. Okay? If you're, if you're taking notes. Confirm your call. <clears throat> By dedicating yourself to the word, prayer, fellowship of believers in the context of a local church, and evangelism. As you chase after those things, it shows that you're a Christian. It proves to you and to those around you that you are truly his. When you give yourself to the word, the Bible, going to it and, and reading it and digesting it and, and meditating on it. That's, that's how, again, non-Christians don't want to do that. Only believers have a hunger for the word. Do you hunger for the word? When you hunger for the word, that confirms your calling. That confirms your election, right? When you go to God in prayer, again, non-Christians don't pray. And when they do, it's like these little short, you know, weird prayers, and it's only because they're in a jam. You know, hey, man, if you get me out of this one, I'll promise I'll, you know. No, I'm talking about real prayers to a loving heavenly father. Do you talk to him like he's your heavenly father? If so, you're confirming your calling. Prayer, fellowship of believers in the context of a local church. That is, that. listen, non-Christians don't want to come be a part of this. Why? Because we're weird, okay? We are strange, awkward weirdos, and we're all trying to figure out how to love each other. Non-Christians don't want to do that. <laughs> they, they don't want to serve each other. So if you're here this morning saying, look, some of these people get on my nerves, but I'm going to love them anyway, uh, you're confirming your calling. <laughs> In the context of the local church and evangelism, evangelism, meaning you, 
you take that step, that scary, terrifying step that, that, that all of us fear to take, but you take that step and you say, you know what? I, I think something's missing in your life. And, and I think what you're missing is a relationship with God. And I would be so glad to tell you how you can have that relationship. It, it actually comes through Jesus. And so you're, you're proclaiming this message. And as you're evangelizing, what are you doing? You're confirming your calling and election. Now, here's another way. Another way that you can confirm your calling and election, if you're taking notes. Confirm your calling through your suffering. Because assurance grows out of the soil of suffering. Assurance grows out of the soil of suffering. What do I mean? Well, some of you know, my wife and I, um, we lost our, our first child due to a miscarriage. After that, we, we had our, our Lydia, um, and we were in the hospital for a month with her in the NICU. That was so hard. That was so painful during that time. You're, you're there, and there's, if you're a parent, you know there's no worse feeling than, than your child is hurting and you're helpless. There's, there's no worse feeling. It's, it's awful. But by God's grace, we continue to hang on to Jesus. We continue to believe the promises. And all these things started happening. The, the church family, you guys, wrapped your arms around us and loved us, and we would have never known that type of love had we not gone through that. We got to share the gospel with doctors and nurses. Going through that that pain and that suffering together actually bonded our marriage even tighter. And on the other side of it, what you, what you end up saying is, is even through all of that pain, God was good to us. Therefore, we must be his. We must be his. Because he has, even, even though we are hurting, even though we're suffering, even though we're in pain, he has taken all of this situation and brought it together for our good. He must be my father. Yes. And so assurance grows out of the soil of suffering. Okay. Three blessings that you get from assurance, and then, then I'll be out of your hair, Okay. Here we go. Number one, three, three blessings that you get from assurance, from, from confirming your calling. First, when you are diligent to confirm your calling, you are filled with joy. You, you want to live a joy-filled Christian life? Drive after, pursue diligently confirming your call. Because what happens in your heart when you know that, that he's yours and you're his? You're really happy about that. The God of the universe is my daddy. I love him and he loves me. God knows everything about me. All, all the stuff that I try to keep hidden, all of my flaws, all my imperfections. God knows all of that stuff. God knows all of that stuff, yet he loves me. Man, if, if you're sure that he is yours and you are his, your heart begins to be filled with joy. And that's a great blessing that you get from assurance. Number two. When you are diligent to confirm your calling, you live a purpose-driven life. Why? Because you belong to the Father, 
And you're not consumed with building your own kingdom. Rather, you know what your purpose is. You know what you're here to do, which is to build God's kingdom. I need to share the gospel. I need to, I need to get plugged into a local church. I need to start giving to that local church so that the gospel goes out. We, we got we to gotta build the kingdom of God. I got to find things that are broken and help fix them, right? Because I'm a child of God. I, I gotta, God is a God who restores. I need to restore. You, you find out what your purpose is when you know that you belong to God. Third, when you are diligent to confirm your calling, you have a quiet confidence. You have a quiet confidence. That anxiety starts creeping in. You tell that anxiety, hey, God is my father. He's got this. When, when the, the person next door gets a, gets a brand new car, you go, that's all right. My daddy owns everything. I don't have to have a new car. I don't have to have the biggest house. I don't have to have the best clothes. My daddy owns everything. It's, it's a quiet confidence to where you're not having to chase after everybody's approval. Why? Because you're approved by your heavenly father. It's, it's a quiet confidence that comes with assurance, knowing whose I am, who I, I belong to. I said it at the beginning, and I'll say it again. The big idea is this. Assurance of salvation and all the blessings that come with it is possible, provided we continue striving to attain it. Are you striving, church family? Are you striving? Are, are, you, are, are you pushing forward diligently with all that you have? Are you chasing after those spiritual disciplines? I got to get in the word. I got to get in the word. I got to spend time. You know, Martin Luther, when, when Martin Luther would have a really busy schedule, um, he, he once told his friend, that he said, my schedule is so busy tomorrow, i got to spend two extra hours in prayer today. It's, what happens with us is we get really busy, and because we're really busy, we pray less. Martin Luther said, no, 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 I'm so busy, I've got to spend time in prayer. Are you chasing after the word? Are you chasing after prayer? Are you dedicated? To, you know what? This is my church family. This is my church body. I'm going to be there. I'm going to serve. I'm gonna, I want to I wanna chase after, be diligent in confirming my calling. I wonder if that's you today. Are you diligent in confirming your calling? It's a striving. It's a chasing. It's a, it's a day by day reaching out, grabbing a hold of the promises of God. That's what this text is, is calling us to today. And this is why the great hymn writer says this, and I'll close. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your powerful word, your word to us. This is a word this morning to us, to our hearts to call us to continue to strive, to be diligent, to be intent, not lazy, not casual, but intent, unwavering in confirming our calling and our election. Lord, I pray that we would chase, that we would hunger after all of the spiritual disciplines with a heart of love so that we would know, we would have this great assurance in our hearts that we belong to you and that all of the blessings that come from knowing that we're yours 
those blessings would be ours. I pray that now for all of the people at Gospel Community Church, that we would have a richly blessed life because we know that we belong to you. I pray all of these things in the mighty and the powerful name of our Lord, King, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.